0: Peter, chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, reading. The church, that is Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you. And so doth Marcus, my son, greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now let us read one more time the last part, um, verse 14, reading. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. May God bless the reading of His word. Now let us all turn to God in prayer. Eternal God, thou who art the living and true God, beside you there is none. We thank you as we come into thy presence, Lord, for your goodness and mercies towards us through the weak, for your patience, your long-suffering. Your gentleness, your kindness, and Lord, for your guiding and your leading. Lord, even as we come, we do pray and ask for your mercies once again, that we may be cleansed and washed thoroughly in the blood of our Saviour. Lord, we deeply desire that this night you will speak mightily to each heart, that in knowing you, knowing how we ought to live, Lord, we will be people that are truly pleasing in thy sight, and they will bring glory to your name. This is our desire, our hope on earth. May thou meet with thy people in the house tonight. Help, Lord, in the DHW class upstairs. Lord, may you feed your children. Lord, we pray for ourselves that you would open our eyes of understanding and cause us, O God, to respond as we ought to. Lord, we pray that you remove all tiredness and distraction from our hearts and minds, that we may... Focus on you. So be with us. We ask and pray for all this, Lord, that thy kingdom may be filled with men and women that are holy, godly, that are truly strangers and pilgrims, a peculiar people for your kingdom. We ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The last time we were here, we we all studied something about peace. Now look at verse 14. We continue. Today is the Christian Peace Part 2, right? The Christian Peace Part 2. Now, here in this benediction, right? This is not a prayer. Please remember that. It's a benediction. Look at verse 14. Now, peace be with you. Peace be with you all. Now, this is a bestowing, all right? A bestowing of peace. Not may peace be with you. I hope and I pray that peace be with you. Now, this is a bestowment of the Christian peace upon the believers, and you read very often in the Bible, the apostles, they bestow this, right? Peace or grace and so on. So here, Peter bestows peace on these Christians. And let us not forget, these Christians are undergoing severe, unthinkable persecution. It was one of the most difficult times in the New Testament church for Christians, right? They were under great oppression. Um, the society did not like them. The Roman society despised Christians. Despised them, well, some for believing in Jesus Christ. Carpenter's son who was crucified, right? Now, they despised them, especially for their beliefs, right? They felt that these people are are people that are um, troublesome in society, right? As a result, they suffered great persecution. Many things in society were blamed on christian well later on it seems like in history um, the burning down of a big part of rome was um, blamed on christians right the understanding historically is the emperor wanted to quickly well remove certain parts and instead of demolishing use fire in the best time since society hates Christians, is to blame it on Christians. So the Christians were going through terribly difficult times. Now, it is under this context, it's under this context that Peter ends this epistle of encouragement and instruction to the believer by saying, Peace be with you all. Now, if you were a Christian at the time, reading and listening to this epistle being read to you, letter at the end of it now you might wonder peter are you serious how is it possible you know for you to say such things peace be with us how is it possible for us to have peace but here under the moving of the holy spirit peter bestows peace when peace is bestowed means it is present with the believer always remember that right we studied the last time Now, just like when God bestows us many other things, the Christian can reject it. The Christian can avoid it. The Christian, instead of embracing it, can resist it. God bestows peace upon this Christian. It means that it is for the Christian also to appropriate. It's there. It's bestowed on me. Will I push it away? Or will I let it happen in my life as God bestows it on me? Now, before we ask this question, question number one, from the context of this epistle, how can I indeed have this peace that God intends for me? God intended peace for these Christians which were going through tumultuous, well, to say the least, times. But God says, it is possible for you to have that. Now, the question for us today is, now, how can I as a Christian indeed have this peace of God? How? How is it possible? Now first and foremost, we have to try and remember what is peace, all right? Now there are two aspects to peace. The typical understanding of peace is, well, um, there is no war, all right? No war. Um, there is no havoc, there's no trouble. So peace between countries means there's no war between the countries. Peace at home, no arguments going on. So it can mean that kind of peace, peace between nations, peace in society, peace between people, all right? at home in church it can be that kind of peace now here you know it's obviously not that because there is no such peace towards the christian in society at that time now when as christians we read the word peace and when we think when we see read about god's god bestowing peace on us now it has the second aspect more importantly all right now that is for the christian it is a tranquility of the soul. The soul is in a tranquil state, peaceful state. Alright? A soul that within him is um, he he has a harmony with God, right? No matter what happens around him, it is not dependent on things around him. This Christian still has still have this earthly peace, this assurance. In the soul, I say again, it is not an assurance of assurance and peace of, of being um, um, not having trouble in your home, in your life, in your health, in your finances. No, it is in the midst of all that, whether there is trouble or no trouble, there is this assurance in the Christian's heart, right that is. This peace, that no matter whatever my lot, like this hymn writer wrote, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Now, because of salvation, we know that our soul is safe, safe in the arms of God. So, no matter what happens, whatever the Christian is going through, there is this peace as well. All right, so it's more important that the Christian understand correctly. And this is an important definition right because it is crucial for us to learn to learn tonight why is it so important why is it so important that at this closing and you will see well typically other apostles now they will say well grace unto you but here is peace well some will say grace and peace in the second epistle he will start grace and peace but here he ends with peace now if you turn to chapter one please chapter one now he begins chapter one grace and peace in verse two grace and peace be multiplied all right so he's again commanding the blessings of God upon them be multiplied it's not wrong for us to sing command thy blessings from above all right so here, Peter is saying, now let, peace, let, let grace and peace be multiplied. Begins with peace, ends with peace. Peace is very crucial for the Christian. i want to say that again. Peace is extremely crucial for a Christian. We'll see why as we go along. Knowing that in the midst of trouble, the ending is not grace, but peace. Tells you something. That is a very necessary ingredient in the Christian life as we go through our life, and walk as strangers and pilgrims on this earth. All right? So, let's begin. Now, from the context of this epistle, question number one, how can we indeed, how can I indeed have this peace that God intends for me? How is it possible? For them, they will be wondering, how is it possible? From the context, what can we say Lord, how can i make sure that i'm on the right track i'm thinking behaving rightly and i will have this peace want to try All right now of course the epistle is, is quite long five chapters and um, there'll be many things we can glean but what are some obvious ones what do you think All right because the christian can resist it the christian also can be ignorant lord i didn't know that this peace is for me and it is possible and it is there I didn't know, Lord, I have not been having peace in my home, in my personal walk, because of troubles, because of worries, because of difficulties that people present to me in my workplace or at home. Lord, I haven't having, been having peace. Lord, now I begin to understand there is a way, right, to have this peace upon me, all right? So, want to try? Who wants to be the first? No one, all right? No volunteers. Vincent, uh, gospel, say again. The the uh, I, I'm, I'm saying, well, the, sh- sh- the shoes of the Gospel of Peace. I'm saying from the context of this this passage, all right? From the context of this passage, so that is not in this in this epistle, right? That's in Ephesians. To suffer like Christ, to, suffer like Christ, to suffering. So you're saying, sufferings bring peace. Really, the next time you're really going through big suffering. Now, I say, suffering brings peace. What do you mean? I mean Elaborate. Um, when you're then you're Christ, then you you suffering Alright, so when we're suffering with Christ, we have a fellowship with Christ. Okay, well, well yep, that's one of the things um, that we can remember. Um, now, when we go through trials... We are also experiencing a little bit of what Christ experienced, all right? And that gives us a glimpse of Christ's suffering, right? But Vincent, how does that bring you peace? Yeah, we are fulfilling. Okay. All right, roughly there. Now, when, when we go through all this, now, if you look at chapter 4. Right? Maybe you're referring to this. Chapter 4, verse 14. Chapter 4, verse 14. In fact, verse 13, beginning. Let's read 13 and 14 together. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you and on their part he is evil spoken of but on your part he is glorified yeah the christian not only can have peace the christian have joy now not only that the christian can have exceeding joy one day now when we go through suffering how can how can we as christians well um, embrace and have this peace to then therefore look at verse 13 remember now remember that when Christ appears, right, when we are partakers of Christ's sufferings, means you are ostracized for being a Christian by your relatives. Right? You're made fun of by your colleagues. When a Christian goes through suffering for Christ's sake, now God says, remember, at the revealing of Christ, there will be glory for you. That you did not shame Christ, that you were faithful, that, we, that you were loyal to him. That very thought brings you peace. That very thought brings you comfort. That very thought brings you assurance that all these are not wasted. All these are not for nothing. Right? And then furthermore, he says, um, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, now happy are ye, blessedness. The spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. How can a Christian have peace? Now, in fact, here, God is assuring the Christian When you willingly go through reproaches for your beliefs, you believe in Christ or you you for your your beliefs, you practice it in obedience to God. As a result, your colleagues, your family members, now they make fun of you and make life very difficult for you. Now when you go through all this, now God says when you're going through it, the promise is this, the spirit of glory and of God is upon you you, when the spirit of glory and of God is upon you, you will certainly have peace as you go through that. You will not only have grace, happy are ye, you'll be be blessed, you'll be um, joyful, right? We are told that when a Christian goes through this. Now, in other words, the Christian must remember therefore, all right? When you're going through problems and you find, Lord, I don't have peace, then it's there is a problem with the way we think. That is the problem. We are not thinking according to what God says. That when we go through reproaches, reproaches. now the external occurrences may be very, very painful and very difficult and all that. Now, but once the Christian thinks according to God's word, oh, whatever I go through on that day, God will vindicate me. Not, not, you're not revenge crazy, right? But all their mocking, they will know that my belief was right, was true. Now that brings peace. You know, it's like at work, you tell your colleague, right? Or you tell your friend, you know, this thing is true. And then they all laugh at you and then they make fun of you. But you know that it is true, that you saw for your own eyes and you know that thing really happened. But they didn't say it, so they don't believe. And then they make fun of you. But you know that in one hour's time, and soon, it will all be made clear when the person comes and says, yeah, this was exactly what happened. And when you are so clear in your heart that you will be, your, your sufferings will be vindicated one day, that when you're going through all that sufferings, all that difficulties, people say, why are you so stupid? Why do you live like that? Why do you give this up? Why do you do that? Why do you not do that? All right? You know that they all be vindicated one day. You will go through it without, without frustration, anger, um, and all that because you know it is true and all this will be made true. Understand that? It's the thinking that is our problem when we are going through um, trials. Once we think like that, it will all be made known. We will just go through it. He won't even smile just like people mock the, this guy and say, you're, you're stupid, it's your imagination and all that. But the person knows it's true, he will just smile. Right? And then they make fun of him for that, he will just smile more. See, he will all be known, right? You can't seem to disrupt or irritate the guy. Right? So yes, number one, now how do we have such a peace? Now instead of rejecting, instead of rejecting this peace, rejecting this peace means to say, well, you know, God, I must be right now. They must believe me now. They must be convinced now. But God says, one day it will be known. Why must it be now? Right? My plan is one day it will be known. Now, when instead of rejecting that, you just say, God, yes, one day it will be known. Then I just go through what, what you intend for me to go through now. Right? You just smile at these things. So that's one, all right? That's how we can reject or how we can embrace by how you think. Now, then another one. Well, why don't you try another one, Um, Shane? Can you remember? Obedience. Obedience, what do you mean by that? But because of obedience, your life becomes tougher, you know? Say again The presence of God is with me. Well, Yes, now when a Christian, instead of living half-heartedly, when a Christian lives in full obedience to the Lord, you may think it is, it is actually unpleasant. You may think that it is not good. You may actually experience that your life becomes more difficult. But the reality is this. When a Christian lives fully for the Lord, without reservation, no half-hearted, no half-obedience, Like it is rightly pointed out, no, your conscience will always be very clear. Your conscience will always be at peace that you are living a life that you know God wants you to live that way. You know God wants you to bear that cross. You know that Christ is pleased with you. That is why no matter what happens to your life externally, your heart knows that god looks down from heaven and is smiling at you he's well pleased with you now in fact if you look at verse uh, verse verse 13 i mentioned about christ's sufferings then in verse 14 it says the spirit of glory and of god resteth upon you can you think of this scene in the bible that occurred before this the life of christ right christ when he came out of the water at the baptism, well, the people saw the spirit of glory, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, descend upon him and rest upon him. Now, what did God say at that point? God, the Father, the people heard, "This is my beloved Son; that's all." Because Christ, he, because Christ is His Son, no, in whom I am well pleased. God the Father knew that Christ the Son will obey him in all things and he will go through severe persecution. But God says, this is my son and I am very pleased with him because he will obey me perfectly. Right? So when the Christian walk a life of complete obedience, you have trouble. But you know, God says, well, the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. People may not see that. People may not see that physically. But God says that that is exactly what happened. It descends upon you. And God is pleased with you. Isn't that the most um, assuring thing to know? Any other peace better than that? Now, in fact, here we would say the only unrest, the only unrest a Christian should have in his heart, the only time a Christian should have no peace in his heart is when, and the only time that the Christian should allow himself to have no peace in his heart, is when he has sinned against God, whether it's through half-hearted obedience, half-obedience, partial obedience, and he knows it, or when he has sinned and not confessed, would not confess, like David, his bones by old, his skin dried up like an old man, His soul went about roaring all day long. Within him, it was no peace, severe turmoil. Has not repented, still holding on to his sin. Now, that is when the Christian should have no peace. You see, it's very contrary to what we think. We think that if I sin, if I obey partially, I get my way as well as God's way, I will be happy. There will be peace in my heart. No, it's the opposite. Now, look at... Right, we don't want to just um, jump to all this without Bible verses. Now look at chapter 3, verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. What are some of the things um, in, in this book um, that tells us how to live? And at the end, God says, live this way and have peace. Peace be with you. Live this way and peace be with you. Now you know that in chapter 3, in fact, um, verse verse 13 onwards. Verse 13 onwards. It was a life of obedience, su- submission. Submission to everything in every aspect of your life. Submission at work, submission um, at home, submission in your personal life, submission towards one another in what is not sinful, submission in the church. It's all about obedience. God says, obey, obey, obey. Submit to me, submit to me. Submit to all these things that I tell you. Submit to them. And then God says, peace be with you. Look at chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. Now God says, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, you see, Christ himself suffered. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. See, it has to do with the way you think. If you you arm yourself with the same mind, then you jump to the end of chapter 5, peace be with you arm yourself with the same mind of Christ, then peace be with you. That is how you obtain this peace. It's there. But the question is, will you arm yourself with the same mind? Now, what is this mind? Look at verse 2. Now, let's read chapter 4, verse 2 together. That he no longer shall leave the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. You see, when the Christian decides once and for all, I will no longer listen to my flesh, my will, I will completely just die to self and just submit to the will of god then god says peace be with you you see it is not that this peace is not there for us we would not have this peace we would not live the way we should live though it looks like it will bring you no peace it will only bring you no peace externally but god says have this same mind submit to the will of god Peace be with you. That is the formula. But that is not how the flesh naturally responds. The flesh resists submission. The flesh resists the will of God. The flesh resists complete obedience. But God says it is the opposite that will bring you peace. But we think that resisting brings us peace. Not obeying, we get what we want, it brings us peace. So is it true that when God bestows this peace, it is there? Yes, it is true. It's just that we would not fulfill the conditions of this peace. Submission is one of the key um, themes in this book, as you would know already. Much of it is written about submission. Now that's the difference between submission to faith and submission by faith. You know the difference, right? If I ask, uh, what is the difference, Don't know. Now, typically, people would use the word fate, F-A-T-E, fate. And Christians, you know, say, ah, oh, yeah, that's my fate, all right. Ah, oh, yeah, whatever is fate. This is fated, all right. Christians should not use that word. Now, it's typically used to refer to something negative. It means when you say, ah, oh, yeah, this is my fate. It means you're saying, ah. Oh, yes, so unlucky, so bad that these things happened to me. It's just fated that uh, I, 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 I will suffer, right? My fate. So some people, they, they resign to fate. Then they seem to have peace. The Christian should not be that, all right? The Christian should submit, not submit submission to fate, but submission by faith. Mean you have, means you have faith in God, that whatever he does is always wise. And therefore, you submit to that. That even if it, it looks like something unpleasant and evil in man's eye towards you, you still have faith that you will just submit to it. You know what? Resist. You won't resist it. Now, it is such a life that God says, peace be with you. All right? Okay, very good. So, he has to live fully instead of half-heartedly. Now, the stranger and pilgrim, there's a half-hearted, um, obedient Christian on earth. That is the most miserable life. The most miserable life for a stranger and pilgrim on earth is to live a half-hearted Christian life. Now, unless you are not saved, all right? or unless you hardly study the Word of God and you don't know many things, how God works, and therefore you, have, you, you do not understand these things yet. But if you are a believer and have been studying the Word of God, a stranger, a pilgrim on earth, Now, you will be very miserable knowing that there are things in your life that if you met God now, you were to meet God tonight, you will be very, very ashamed. You will be very, very filled with regret. But a stranger and pilgrim who knows that in all areas of my life as far as I know, I'm totally submitted to God and I'm obeying him and I'm following him. I'm bearing the cost of my obedience and all that. No matter what how difficult life is, I know that if I met God tonight, I would be joyful. All right? You won't go to bed holding on to your sin and praying, "Lord, please don't come back tonight." You're always ready. Your heart is always at peace. You go, no matter how difficult life a life you ha- you've been having, bringing up godly seed, making all those choices. But yet, or giving up things at the workplace because they are sinful, but yet you go to bed with with a peace, right? With a peace. You see your colleagues all moving and and um, being promoted and all that. You're not, but you know it's because you are. Living out your faith, that is the reason you sleep with peace, all right? All right, so total submission. Yes, there's another one. So the first one, uh, well, now what what else can you think of? Anything else? That when you remember these things, then no matter how difficult it is, you actually have peace. Can you think of what it is? Anything else? Sylvia. Sylvia. Not sure if you long that long with us to go through this series. Very good. What's the second part? Okay. All right. Now, first one. When the Christian goes through trials, when the Christian remembers that trials are for the refining of their faith, they will have peace. Now, look at chapter 4. Chapter 4. All right? Verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now, this phrase here um, would conjure up a certain picture in the Christian's uh, mind. The words here, here used, now our words that refers to, you know, a, a blacksmith, right? A metal smith. They have an oven. It's very hot, fiery. And then he will take these metal pieces that are filled with impurity steel. Now, to make these metal pieces that he intends to use to become pure, all right? He put it into this furnace. He, he must put it in the furnace, furnace. He intends to put it in this furnace. He does it on purpose, why when it melts then the impurities float to the top then he will scoop it off and the remaining that that goes that, com, that goes through this fire will be well cleared of its impurities so this verse in chapter 4 um, verse 12 is literally saying now don't think that it is strange for a metal smith to go and put the metal in the fire no one thinks no one ever wonder what's wrong with that metal smith What's wrong with that blacksmith? There's something wrong with it. It's still so strange that he's doing that. It is never strange to see that scene. So God here tells us it is not, it is expected, totally expected that God will put you through the fiery trial. Now, look at verse 12. Now, it says, which is to try you, which is to try you. Now, that word is to refine you, all right? To test you, to bring, up, bring off the impurities. That is the purpose of fiery trials, Now, that is why in verse 13, he says, but rejoice, but rejoice. Now, when you think about this, if your colleague were to tell you, all right, someone were to tell you, well, you know, go, go through this, just go through this, it's very difficult. But when you finish this exercise, all right, you come out a lot stronger, it's guaranteed, all right? Or maybe someone tells you, well, do this, all right, and you find that it's going to cost you a lot energy-wise, cost-financial-wise, but it's guaranteed to bring results. So when you're going through whatever it is, it's very, very difficult. But because your mind is so clear, it's so clear that this has a purpose. And the purpose is a good purpose. Unless, like I say, you are not a Christian, you're not interested. If you're not a Christian, then you are not interested in having impurities removed impurities for the christian in our faith means well Whatever it is certain sin in your life that is preventing you from being used of god Do you want to be used of god if you are a christian a true believer you say yes Look whatever it is Now god if it if it takes a severe trial I lose my health. I lose my job. I lose my loved one whatever if it takes that for me to get rid of this sin if you truly desire that God would use you as a stranger and pilgrim on earth and your life will not be a wasted life on earth, your salvation not, will not be a wasted salvation, you will say, Lord, then, then I'd rather have that trial. So when God says it is guaranteed, it is for a purpose, this will happen, this good, this spiritual growth will happen. In other words, you will go through it with peace. Now, in fact, you will be very thankful. Lord, I am thankful that you notice me. Of course, God knows all of us. But your heart will be so thankful. Lord, I'm so glad that you are working on me. That God, you, you are not angry at me and have left me alone. You're not upset at me. They say, I forget it, set him aside already. You are still putting me through the furnace. Now, of course, then Peter reminds, right, in verse chapter 4, verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief, and so on, right? Um, but let if, Verse 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. So, just make sure you're not suffering because of your sin. Huh? You're suffering because of a disobedience or something, you, you sin against God or um, some crime you committed, then you're suffering, then you say, ah, oh, I have peace. Of course, it doesn't mean that, and Peter clarifies it. But if you are going through, not for any known sin of yours, then you know, God, you are building me up. Does it bring you peace? When I was very weak at mathematics, all right, Um, when I was in secondary school, um, year eight, I guess, right, Um, I was very weak in that. And um, then my parents found me a tuition teacher, and he's extremely good, supremely good, amazingly good, all right? All right. So God led them to bring this person along. Now, initially, it was very, very difficult. He made me do exercises, do practice this, practice that, give me extra homework. To my mind, I I have so much mathematics homework in school. I really despise that. And then, because of tuition, I have additional ones to do. It was horrible, 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 horrible. I was upset. But when I began to see that, I began to understand things. I began to find it easy. My grades began to improve. He continued to give me tougher and tougher things to do, but I look forward to it. There was initially unhappiness. there was in, initially pain, there was initially resistance. But the moment my mind thinks of, my mind realized, this is supposed to be good for me." And the tuition teacher, he planned these exercises at home knowing what I need, what are my weaknesses. He wrote down those questions. He brought the paper. He put it on the table. was for my good. I didn't look at the paper and wanted to rip it up anymore. I just, yes, anymore? Just one page? What's the difference? Now, God says, when you don't think it's strange, instead, you rejoice that God is working on building you up. Peace is with you. You know what is the most frightening thing for a Christian? When over time, you begin to not feel God working on you anymore. You seem to feel that God has left you alone. He's not trying you. He's not building you up. I think that it is a time when a Christian should have no peace. Lord, is there something in my life that you are displeased with. Show me, Lord. Here the Lord says, among all the Christians in history, you are going through a very difficult time. I know that. I sent Peter to write this to you, but don't think it's strange. I'm planning something in your life. You know, Christian, when something happens, and a trial, maybe for example you go to your doctor and the doctor says I'm sorry to tell you but you know you have cancer and it's confirmed I don't even need to do a a biopsy it's confirmed what goes through your heart? turmoil, fear, unhappiness Um, what goes through your heart what is the very first thought that goes through your heart is it a peaceful thought or is it a thought of anger, a thought of doubt, a thought of fear. Well, God says, peace be with you. Now, if your thought is, Lord, I don't know how this can happen to me. As far as I know, I'm not living in known sin. This might be something that you planned for me. God, it sounds exciting. God, what did you want to do for my faith before I meet you in heaven? What is it, Lord, that you have planned for me? It's a, it's a, it's a, those are thoughts of peace. Remember that. Now God says, my thoughts towards you, they, they are not evil thoughts. When trials happen, when problems happen, the thought of peace, when you know that the thoughts of God to you, towards you are to build you up spiritually, you will say, this cancer, this, you walk into the office that morning and then your boss meets you at the door and say, uh, please go to your desk and um, clear your desk, you are retrenched. What goes through your heart? If you know it's not something that you have done sinful, you're living right before God, in your heart, there is peace. Lord, what is next? What is this furnace that you're putting me into? Don't think it's strange. Alright, so God says, look at verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Then you jump to chapter 15, verse 14, the last part. Think it not strange concerning this fiery trial. Peace be with you. But we want to go through, right, struggle. We want to reject it. God, I don't like this. God, I don't want this. God, you promised peace. Why is there no peace? Why is there trouble instead? Well, if you want to think it strange, then you cannot read. Beloved, think it not strange. Peace be with you, right? Because you want to think it strange. God, how can you let this happen? This is strange, Lord. Alright, so, right, so that's one of them. To remember that trials, so this is the point, right? To remember that trials are to refine us. Look at chapter 1, verse 7. Peter begins after telling them, peace be multiplied to you. And then after he says this, in verse 6, I say, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye in heaviness through manifold temptation. Now Peter knows, he said your heart is heavy. It doesn't mean they have no peace. It doesn't mean they cannot have peace. Yes, they are, their heart is burdened with things. So it doesn't mean that you get these things, there is no burden at all. But through all this situation, there is peace. Alright? Peace for the Christian is not dependent on the external things that are burdening you. Now then, verse 7 the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire. So he kept talking about this furnace, this goldsmith testing. Might be found unto the praise and honour at the appearing, honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Right? That was the second thing that was said. That all this will be for the glory of God. All this will be not just for my, my spiritual growth but to know that this will be for the glory of God, you have peace in your heart. You mean, Lord? You mean, Lord, I am allowed to participate in something that will bring glory to your name? You mean you design this when I go through this, that at your appearing, This will bring glory to you? Wow, Lord, this is too much for me. This is too good for me. That is what Peter is saying. Now, the Apostle Paul, well, the apostles, right? The Apostle Paul included, and many of them, when they were persecuted, when they were beaten, they taken aside, imprisoned, beaten. And after they were beaten, please know these beatings are not just like um, spanking on the on the wrist, right? These are beating with rods that breaks bones, right? That cause internal injuries. That they went through that. The Bible tells us, well, the apostles, they went away. What? Praising God. Why? Anyone remember why? Joe Chang. Why? Because they felt that they were... No, you remember. Um, uh, forget names now. Nathan. They went away rejoicing because... They were, bullied. Kelvin, do you remember, Richard? They were counted worthy. They were counted worthy. To suffer for the Lord, they were counted worthy. Now they not only went away with peace in their heart, they went away rejoicing, singing, praising, thanking God. Christian. How is it that instead of displeasure, instead of being displeased, they were peaceful? Because they said, we were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. Here God says, when you go through this, it may be found unto, unto, this will bring praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, both for him and for yourself. For yourself, not that you glorify glo- glory in that. For yourself, in the sense that you will you will be vindicated, all right. And not only that, God will say, "Well done," all right. Glory for you means now. Glory is the opposite to shame, all right. So, glory for you means that you can hold your head up and know, Lord, I did not fail you. I did not deny you i did not compromise i did not give in to my lust my flesh and do what i wanted to do and fulfill my own will on earth for my family and for myself i did not because you told me not to i did not by your grace and lord i don't have to be ashamed about that now that is what it means that it will be your glory but all this will redound to the glory of god right now it's constantly talked about if you look at chapter 4 All right, chapter four. Now, verse fourteen, the spirit of glory. You see, God does not want to say the spirit of the Holy Spirit. That is all, but He wants us to know a certain part of the Holy Spirit so, uh, attribute. He is the spirit of glory, and of God. Now resteth upon you. Now it says in verse fourteen, on their part He is evil spoken of, but on your part He is glorified. On your part He is glorified. You know what God is saying? Yes, I hear them. They are mocking my name. When you're at work, when when you're among relatives, they are mocking me. I know. They, they snigger at you for living certain ways, living in certain way. They snigger at you for sharing the gospel. God says, "I know on your part he is, on on their part he is evil spoken of." It means they, on their part they are speaking evil of him. But he says this on. But on your part he is glorified. On your part, He is glorified. To know that God allows you go, to go through that for His glory, that must bring not only peace, that brings joy. So Christian, this peace is there. In fact, it's more than this peace. It is there. It depends on how you think. Alright? Now, so how, how can I have this peace? Now, whatever it is, Maybe your, 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 your friends mock at you for living in a certain way, for having certain values, for putting certain things, for seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness first, all that kind of things, all right? And you really see the loss, right? Your colleagues, your schoolmates, ex-schoolmates, when they gather, oh, they're all way ahead of you. They're doing this, they're doing that. They can afford this and that. But for you, well, if it is not God's will, you to not have it, well, You live according to His will and you don't have these things. Now, you may begin to feel out of place and all that. But it's, and sometimes people say, ah, no peace. I'm so embarrassed when I go for this meeting. When I go home from all this um, uh, school gathering, I feel so small and all that. No, you don't have to. It's because of the way you think. That is the problem. Now, God promises peace. It is there. It is there when your when you whatever it is suffering loss suffering um, um, mockery suffering anything when it is for your obedience when it is for your serving god when it is for your um for your faith the christian can have peace all right now what else okay um Right? Can you imagine God let you be part of something that glorifies Him? Christian, we have to begin to think very differently. Remember that. All right? Now, the Christian can refuse to enjoy this peace. One last one. How? How else can a Christian refuse to enjoy this peace? How else? Can you think of it? Look at, look at, look at your Bibles, all right? How else can you think of it how else can a christian forfeit giving you so strong hints already, forfeit this peace alex refuse to enjoy this peace it also starts with pre starts with p right? Yes, too obvious already super obvious i keep getting the groups here you know terry they can terry see they don't notice i'm calling them (laughs) right i keep forgetting this side yes what else that the christian the christian gives up and therefore doesn't have this peace no maybe i try julia what is it that we don't do and then we we don't we lose all the peace maybe i try um Every Tuesday night we do something. Okay. <laughs> what is it? Pray. Prayer. Look at chapter 5. Look at chapter 5. You say, I oh have yeah, so much problem, no peace, oh, so much difficulties at the workplace. My heart is full of concern, worries, and there's no peace. Now look at verse, chapter 5, verse 7. All right? Let's read together. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You see, that is the other thing. God says, Peace. Now, if I were to read to you, all right, if I were to read to you, like how we read the other passages, um, verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Then verse 14, peace be with you all. In Christ Jesus, Amen. Right? We sing the hymn, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Right? why all because we do not carry everything to god in prayer the peace is there prayer as we have studied at church camp it doesn't change it doesn't necessarily change things because what god ordained god ordains then why pray why pray peace you pray not to change things you pray in submission to god's will then why pray prayer changes you my friend remember that prayer changes you what's our memory verse praying all prayers in what in the spirit opera and supplication in the spirit what's in the spirit well the submission in the spirit well also the spirit will guide your thoughts submit to those thoughts he will guide your thoughts with the word of God you will begin to think very differently you before you knelt down your heart is full of turmoil full of fear and then, he said, Lord, this thing is going to happen at work to me. What, what shall I do? It's outside my control. Lord, this thing is going to happen to my child. It's going for this or that. W- w- I can't do anything. Lord, help. What can I do? And then you're, you're pulling your hair out, right? All sorts of problems. But the moment you get down to pray, and as you pray, as you pour your heart out to the Lord, the Bible says pray in the Spirit respond to the holy spirit the holy spirit will help us and teach us to pray he'll begin to guide your thoughts and what the lord the holy spirit brings to mind to pray you pray along that line and you begin to change your will begins to submit your fear subsides so many things in the word of god now that is the problem we don't pray in the spirit need the word of god all right it's not speaking in tongues. It's not well, just praying and then just see, see what the Spirit says. The Spirit always uses the Word of God. Be filled with the Spirit. is the Spirit using the Word of God to guide you. All right? So, when we begin to pray, we will have the peace. But we don't pray. That's the problem. All right? So, you see, there are many things here that we learn that brings us peace. How do we do it? That's the question. Peter has written all these things. Then he said, peace be with you. If you do this, you do this, be like that, think like this, and, and behave like that, and, and pray, peace be with you. It comes with it. It comes with it. Now, of course, that is, look at verse chapter 5, verse 14. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus amen that are in Christ Jesus peace be with you all That are in Christ Jesus a very important last few words that are in Christ Jesus well if you're not saved, you will not know this peace obviously you're not in the first place at peace with God right there's enmity with God but for the believer because you are in Christ there is peace now in other words Christian as you think or I put it this way make sure you treasure your salvation when you treasure your salvation when you see what your salvation means in Christ means you are inside Christ why are you in Christ because you are a safe child of God you're in Christ Just the very thought of your salvation, no matter what you have lost, no matter what has happened to your life, no matter what has gone before that, no matter what is coming, just the very thought, my soul is saved. Even if I were to die now, I will be in heaven for eternity. There's nothing in this world, no matter how horrible that happens to me or my family, can change that at all. My salvation. I am in Christ. Just that thought alone gives you peace. Now, I know I shared this with you before. Now, we intentionally sang hymn 318, right? Now, take your hymn books I know I've shared this before, but I want to share this again. Now, this hymn writer truly understands this whole concept of Christian peace. And I say, when peace, that's our topic tonight, when peace like a river attendeth my way. To him, peace is like a river. You've been to a river when you're at Riverside? Well, it just flows and flows and flows and flows. It just keeps coming and keep coming, just passing you, passing you, right? When peace, like a river, attends to your soul, comes to your soul, right? But then he says, when sorrows like sea billows roll. But sorrows, they are like sea billows. Different from river. River is strong, yes, running, but billows, Right? These are huge waves rolling, crashing, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Then he says, Whatever, my Lord, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well. What with my soul? Now, and he says this, um, verse 2 Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, and these things will come in our life, let this blessed assurance control. Why does he say peace like a river? Now, he's encouraging Christians. He went through something which we'll talk about soon. And he says, let this blessed assurance control your thoughts. What is that? That Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. Now, he says, no matter what happens to me, and even if God allows Satan to buffet me, let this blessed assurance control This thought that will bring you a peace, it is well with my soul. What? That Christ has regarded my helpless estate. That I am helpless. I'm hell bound. I'm definitely going to hell. But this very thought that Christ took note of me and he shed his blood to save my soul. And now my soul is purchased and is safe. That is why it is well with my soul. Now, do you know what happened to this man? Some of you may be not familiar, those who are. Please, bear with it. Now, in fact, this month, this year, just on the 22nd of November, I think it's 22nd or 23rd, alright? November 22nd. So, this month, this year, November 22nd, is exactly 150 years from the actual tragedy that this man faced. Right? so we are literally singing a hymn that a man 150 years ago on the 22nd of November experienced a great tragedy and he wrote this hymn why can he have this peace what was the tragedy now this man as you know as you see there is horatio spafford horatio spafford now he was a very successful lawyer and very rich and he invested in um, properties, um, estate um, in Chicago, right? But we all also know in history, the great Chicago fire that occurred. Now, it basically wiped him out. But it was before that, even before that, right? Just um, a short time before that, he lost his son, his four-year-old son to scarlet fever. So you imagine, you just lost your son to scarlet fever, nothing at a time that you can do too much about controlling, lost, and then next thing you know, you became practically, well, all all your savings, all your investment, all gone, all gone. Now, he felt that maybe it will do the family some good, so he sent his wife and his remaining four children, four daughters, on a ship to England, right? But just at a time, he had some urgent business, he had to stay back, but he planned to join them, um, after he had settled his urgent businesses, probably has to do with all the estate problems, zoning problems, all, all that kind of thing. Now then, he had to stay back. Then, as you all know, while the ship was crossing the Atlantic Ocean, it was involved in a terrible collision. 200 over people died. Now, Horatio Spafford received a telegram from the wife. And the famous words were, Saved only. What shall I do? Saved only. She was the only survivor in the family. All four of his precious daughters also died. Very soon after his son died. Very soon after he, everything was taken from him in the fire. Now, Horatio, Horatio immediately sailed, set sail for England. And it was said that at a certain point in his voyage, the captain who knew about the tragedy that Spafford family face now called him and said, Horatio, this is, this is the point. This is this place. This is the spot where the shipwreck occurred and you lost your four daughters. Now, it was at this point that he penned this hymn. He penned this hymn. Now, Christian, I'm not sure if we have experienced something like close to him or will experience something close to him. The question is, Will we have this kind of statement that is so real in our heart that at that point at that point in the in sea? Instead of mourning, mourning and screaming and you know, pounding on the ship, but says when peace like a river attendeth my soul. Christian, is God's word false? That these Christians, well, they were going through some things like erasure, if not worse, and God says, Peace be with you. It is not false. Christians experience that, but it's how you think. Say, though Satan should buffet, the trials should come. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate. I can lose all my money. I can even lose all my children. But the very thought, Lord that you regarded my soul you came and you shed your blood to save me that alone well whatever happens that itself gives me an assurance a peace christian we don't treasure our salvation we don't treasure what it means when we read words did you even notice what peter said peace be with all maybe just we just keep thinking of peace be with you all but how many of us really notice him saying all that are in in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. He's telling them, you can lose your limb, you can lose your properties, you can lose your loved one, they can kill them. But you are in Christ. Let that very thought, let that very thought, being such overwhelming, like a river, you know, river, it doesn't stop flowing. That's what he's saying, it just goes on. Yes, the, the sorrows can be like sea billows but the river of peace keeps flowing. Now he says, then he says, look at how he sings about his salvation. Verse 3. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh my soul, he rejoiced. He can praise God he did not blame God he did not murmur and and um, question God he said praise the Lord now Christian how can we have such a peace that flows like a river in the time of great trouble and difficulties in our life and you may even feel that God why did you let this happen first my son you can control diseases then God all my properties then God four of my precious daughters as well why lord or are you going to be a stranger and pilgrim that is so strong in your appreciation of what god has done for you that your sin not in part i mean as you sing just now did you notice these words is this so precious to you being in christ in christ means your sin not in part you there's nothing that you need to do if we needed to do anything we would fail We will be sleepless. But you know that your sin, not in part, but the whole, completely, totally, absolutely nailed to the cross. I bury it no more. That if you were to meet Christ now, you won't be sent into hell forever. Forever and ever safe. Now, what does your salvation mean to you, dear friend? Does it mean that much? When I say your salvation means a lot, I'm not saying that you just treasure your salvation. But do you really treasure Christ doing that so much, doing that infinite, paying that infinite price for you to the point where whatever he allows to happen, you just continue to praise him? My sin, not in part, not in part, but the whole has been nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Thank you, Lord. Is that how much you appreciate him, that you praise him? Or will you say, Lord, I have no peace? Lord, if only I had more peace. Now, Christian, this, just this last part itself, without the rest of the epistle, is the whole epistle just consisted of one verse. When they are going through all this persecution, and the only letter, when they open this big letter, and they only see one verse in there to be read to the congregation, peace be with you all, that are in christ jesus that alone must bring immense assurance christian we don't think enough about christ's work for us so we doubt him we doubt him but this person said christ came and regarded my helpless estate why should i doubt him whatever he has brought into my life and has allowed why do i doubt him he took all my sin and nailed it to the cross Right, So Christian, I hope that the work of Christ means so much to you that whatever he allows in your life, you still say, Lord, praise you. Just to know that my soul is safe. It is well with my soul. It, is, it may not be well with my life, it may not be well with my life, but it is well with my soul. What's the problem with us? we want things to be well with our life we do not treasure that this peace that, our, that all is well with our soul is the most important thing that matters what matters to us is lord i want my life to be well it is well with my soul so what i spit on my salvation i want things to be well in my life so when peter when god the holy spirit puts these words Peace be with all that are in Christ Jesus. Lord, it must also mean a lot to us today. Let us turn to God in prayer.